This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, Admiral James Tarvitas is going to be with us uh, in about 15 minutes. He's going to tell us what's happening with China, also the huge explosion in Iran. What is that about as we have two aircraft carriers in the South China Sea, by the way? We're also going to talk to Bill Bennett. What's going on with our schools? He was one of the first secretaries of education. What can we do to get a hold of this? What do we need to reopen our schools? It is a necessity. And I challenge anyone to tell me that the risk is not worth it. Because the lack of learning in an entire country for an entire population will not suffice for an entire year. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've already arrested hundred and over 150 uh, people on federal charges across the nation. Focus on these hardcore instigators that are involved uh, in this rioting. Uh, that was uh, Attorney General Bill Barr. Not the most energetic, but man, is he impactful. Uh, paying the price for the violent protest. The FBI takes 150 off the streets, as you just heard. Massive destruction that took place in June. Finally, someone's paying for it. It didn't stop the world's worst mayor, de Blasio, from defiling Fifth Avenue. We'll try to explain. Number two. The American Academy of Pediatrics has said you must get these kids back to school for their physical health, their mental health, and their academic health. 24 countries uh, have reopened schools without any increase in the caseload. Bill Bennett, coronavirus threat remains, but the quest to open up schools must be, must be stronger than that. What's at stake, including the cost to kids, as Houston might have just become this summer's New York City, the epicenter, while restaurants and gyms are becoming the targets of clueless politicians who might just destroy both industries. Number one. When the federal government spends taxpayers' money, we should use it to buy American products. Let's use this opportunity to take bold investments in American industry and innovation so the future is made in America. Right, uh, Joe Biden slurring his way through another speech. Make a choice, Joe. Are you taking Bernie's agenda, which is everyone put your money together, the squad's hate of capitalism and the country? Or did you just grab Donald Trump's mantra, his theme since the 1980s with Phil Donahue? Over the last two days, we've seen all three. Will any of it fly with you as he hides from the media and runs from questions? How long can this last? I'm not kidding. I could not believe that Joe Biden and Steve Bannon 
who is a, a brilliant guy, said the Trump campaign got caught flat-footed. Not really. Let's say they knew that Joe Biden was going to do this. So what? It's not going to stop the speech. He has very little money going to programs that say they should buy American with taxpayer dollars. I think you should urge uh, Americans to buy Americans by putting where these products are made from. And I'll, I'll pay a few dollars more to buy jeans made here than from sweatshop in China or Taiwan. Not Taiwan. Bad example. Vietnam. Malaysia. How about that? So here's a little of Joe Biden's speech, which I'm sure you missed. Cut one. When the federal government spends taxpayers' money, we should use it to buy American products and support American jobs. During my first term alone, we'll invest $400 billion in purchasing products and materials our country needs to modernize our infrastructure Right. Uh, I get it. So he goes out, goes to Pennsylvania, a state he has to win, a place that he claims to be have been born. Uh, meanwhile, he's talking about manufacturing in America. Wait a second. Didn't he tell us for eight years that manufacturing's gone forever? Wasn't his, bo- wasn't his boss mocking those who said, like President Trump, that manufacturing will come back? Remember, the year was 2016. The name is Barack Obama. Cut four. When somebody says that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. It came back big time. Renegotiating the USMCA will bring it back even more to the point where Canada didn't even show up for the signing ceremony. That's how bad a deal they got. And manufacturing is coming back. And you know what's even better? If we can't make it here affordably because of unions, there are going to be products that I hope will go to Central and South America. Some of the hardest working people on the planet. I'd love to help the neighbors at our doorstep outside Venezuela and not uh, China or people under oppressive conditions. So let's talk about what the Trump administration is going to do. They have a huge opportunity. I I cannot believe what's happening. As much as I'm upset about what's happening with the statues, uh, it is such a huge opportunity, legitimate, authentic opportunity for the Trump administration. And they're using it to a degree to say, no, no, wait a second. Leave them up. You know, as how important as Harriet Tubman is and Frederick Douglass, so is George Washington. Okay, and Thomas Jefferson. Confederate statue. Okay. Leave it. Discuss it. Vote on it. You vote for the people that are going to back your views. You don't rip it down and use Antifa-inspired motivation to do it. I still don't know. I don't know if you know this, but last night in a, in a place called Washingtonville, New York, they cut down a flagpole that's in the middle of a 9-11 tribute area. They actually did two of them in the area. Four days ago, they wrecked and, and, and dismounted a Frederick Douglass statue at the place where he gave his Fourth of July speech. I believe the year was 1852. We know in San Francisco, they Detroit Ulysses S. Grant, Francis Scott Key, and I think some saints, which usually tend to be good people, destroyed in San Francisco. The president hates this. To the fiber of his being, he campaigns on that. Most Americans are going to be with him. That's an opportunity. The president pointing out that Joe Biden may in the 80s have been moderate, but his horrible record on crime 
in the 90s, his terrible record over 50 years in, in the Senate is all being remade before our eyes without his doing at the age of 77. This is a huge opportunity. Nobody doubts where the president stands. Here's Tim Murtaugh. He's the president's second communication, uh, excuse me, 2020 communication director, cut nine. If you compromise with a socialist like Bernie Sanders, it's still socialism. And I I think Americans don't have to guess what an economy would be like under Joe Biden because we've lived through it once already. He oversaw the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression. There were low wages and stagnant job growth. And he says the first thing that he'll do as president is to raise taxes. And despite what he's claiming here, we know that he has embraced the Green New Deal. He's got AOC helping him write his policies. This is a disastrous approach to the economy, and he dresses it up with a fancy slogan that, by the way, he plagiarized from the United Nations, uh, as appropriate as that might seem to be. And so Joe Biden is an economic disaster. We've already been through it one time. He's pretty strong as a communicator. A lot of people have good ideas and not good communicators. A lot of people have, are good communicators who don't have strong ideas. Uh, Tim does both. So this is an opportunity for the president. I don't believe for a second that he's done. There are people who think the die's been cast, that the president hasn't handled the pandemic in a way that inspires confidence. But I'll just bring you this. So the smartest people on the planet tell me to wash my hands and wear a mask. That's it. They go to school for this. They study this. They talk to other countries about this. They look into past ones, the 1918 pandemic. When you and I watch the Mets and Yankees there or or the, the Dodgers and Twins, they are doing this. And you know what they tell us? We don't know. Wear a mask. So what do you want the president to do? Say, I have something better than the scientists? No, he'll take the scientists and say, listen, we got to work through our economy. I can't shut it down again. What the president's got to show is that he cares about the 130,000 people that lost their lives, many of which are seniors, more than likely profiling, they would have voted for him. And others that are worried are seniors will vote for him. And the reason why he's shedding seniors right now, perhaps, is because they don't understand that he cares about them. And if he spends the next few months showing them, he absolutely does, going out and visiting these places that the vice president's face doing, I think that'll go a long way. Don't count him out by a long shot yet. In terms of schools, every poll shows the parents want kids back in schools. Kids want to be back in schools. Cut 13. We have to open our schools, open our schools, stop this nonsense. We open our schools. So we have to get our schools open, Denmark, Sweden. We have to get our schools open and stop this political nonsense. And it's only political nonsense. It's politics. They don't want to open because they think it will help them on November 3rd. I think it's going to hurt them on November 3rd. Open your schools. Look, we know what's going on in Texas. Uh, we know that they are. They had, we had yesterday. We had 800 dead uh, over the last three days. So that's up 60 percent over the last three weeks. So far, the death toll has been low, while the number of cases gone up. Yesterday, I hope was an aberration. We know in their challenges in Texas, huge challenges in Florida. There are big challenges elsewhere. But and I'll play this. I want to leave some time for Admiral uh, Stavridis. But You start with how we get the schools open, not I don't know if I will. That's why what Harvard's doing is inexcusable. That's why a lot of these other schools throwing in the towel or doing partial days like New York City's proposed are unacceptable. Governor Ron DeSantis, who's got his hands full, said this in Jacksonville yesterday. Cut 21. 
Fast food and Walmart and Home Depot, and look, I do all that, so I'm not, I'm not like looking down on it. But if all that is essential, then educating our kids is absolutely essential. I have a newborn, I have a two-year-old, I have a three-year-old. They're not old enough to go to school, so obviously they're, they won't be um, you know, in kindergarten or anything coming up. But I would not hesitate putting them in in terms of the risk. Do you agree? one 866 I'm going to talk to Bill Bennett in detail about that, but coming up next, we talk foreign policy. Huge explosion in Iran, the third one in three weeks. It's in and around a nuclear center. What's happening there? We have sanctioned the highest Chinese official in our history. It happened yesterday. What's going on there? This is the Brian. And by the way, the Russia investigation on bounties took a very interesting turn. And I'll just give you a hint. There's a reason why MSNBC and CNN are not talking about it today. We're back. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. But there's a big distinction between arming and directing. We know about arms, we know about weapons, we know about support and things like that. We don't have, in the case of the Russians, we do not have concrete corroborating evidence, uh, intelligence, uh, to show directing. That's a big difference. And that is Colin Powell, who went on to say, listen, uh, intelligence is one thing, but the guys on the ground is going to have to fight it. And they don't have – that's not enough that he has seen or heard to say that we had news and information about Russian paying the Taliban bounties to kill our guys. And for Colin Powell to take the Trump administration's side is indeed a rarity. Admiral James Stavridis uh, was the – 16th Allied, Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, author of Sailing True North, 10 Admirals in the Voyage of Character. Admiral, this, uh, this story's taken an interesting turn. Uh, Mark Esper, Secretary mm-hmm. of Defense, and Mark Milley, as well as Colin Powell, uh, seem to say, the, from what they've seen, the intelligence does not warrant the story that we read in the New York Times. 
I would say, and no one knows this better than Colin Powell, that intelligence is always inconclusive. Uh, don't forget, it was General Powell who went to the United Nations with the uh, evidence, the intelligence about Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. That turned out to be a big mistake. And it's entirely possible that the intelligence in this case is inconclusive. But again, Brian, uh, all intelligence is inconclusive. And I say that as someone who consumed intelligence for 40 years. Um, if it were conclusive, it wouldn't be intelligence. It would just be a fact. So let me tell you three things while I still believe there is a very strong possibility that the reporting is accurate about the bounties. One is the Taliban behavior. They really don't have a motivation to be killing Americans at this point. They want us to leave. The path to getting us to leave is, in fact, uh, to uh, not kill Americans. And so it's odd that these killings still continue of Americans by Taliban. Could it be but the numbers are high? Element? Sure, absolutely. Fact one. Fact two, though, is look at Russia. Look at the pattern of behavior around the world. I always say crime is when motive meets opportunity. There's a lot of motive here for Vladimir Putin to try and put some sand in the gears for the United States. He's got an opportunity. He's got operatives on the ground. And third and finally, I think that uh, always in Afghanistan, it's a murky situation. So my bottom line is it's, it's inconclusive, but I still lean toward a strong possibility. I want to see all the facts, and then I want to see a stronger response if warranted. Uh, major explosion in Iran, the third one in three weeks. Uh, we first one they said it was no big deal, and it turns out it was at their nuclear plant. This one rocked the western Tehran early Friday. Uh, according to state media, the, precision loca- the precise location of the explosion was unclear, but analysts say there were several military and training facilities in the area. Now, we know about the assassination of would-be scientists happening for years. There was a suspicion that the Israelis were behind that. What do you think is happening here? Well, Ian Fleming, who wrote the James Bond novels, said that when someone shoots at you, first time, it could be happenstance. It just happens. Second time might be a coincidence. Third time, it's enemy action. Uh, I tend to believe uh, what we're seeing here is enemy action. And back to our previous discussion, intelligence is inconclusive, but crime is where motive meets opportunity. A fact pattern is building here. I would say the odds are better than even. The Israelis are behind this. And my good friend, uh, General Benny Gantz, who was the head of the Israeli Armed Forces when I was Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, uh, and is now the co-prime minister of Israel, along with Benjamin Netanyahu, he's been extremely circumspect about this. There's certainly no denials coming out of Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. I would bet on enemy action, and I applaud it. As do I. I'm wondering... The Iranians are then then that means they're violating the the Iranian deal that the Europeans are still holding on to. Why are the Europeans holding on to it then? Well, the good news is the Europeans are finally uh, waking up and smelling the coffee and realizing that that deal is dead on arrival at this point. So uh, the reason they've held on to it in in fairness is because they believed for the last three or four years that it was an effective way to cap the Iranian nuclear weapons program. Clearly, without the United States in the right. deal, it's not going to work. And they are seeing more and more intransigent behavior out of Iran all over the theater of war. And therefore, they are right. swinging toward our position. And I tie this to the arrival of uh, 
of uh, Ursula von der Leyen, the new head of the European Union, former uh, minister of defense in Germany, strong NATO supporter. They're getting the message in Europe. 30 seconds. Uh, we have sanctioned the highest Chinese politician ever who's yes. responsible for rounding up uh, the Muslim, uh, Chinese Muslims into concentration camps. We have had two aircraft carriers in China. Where are we heading with this? Um, we are heading in the right direction. You know, I applaud the administration's approach here, and I'll give you a third thing they've done. They are approving uh, almost a billion dollars in arms sales to Taiwan. We have got to push back yes. on China in this moment. They are increasingly full of themselves and therefore increasingly dangerous. We need to deter them. Your idea for a Redskins name now that if they give up the Redskins? <laughs> It's the Fighting Admirals, and I'm expecting you to get behind it, Brian. I am fully behind it. You don't want to be the Washington <laughs> Generals. That's too much of a connotation with the uh, Globetrotters. Uh, you got it. Admiral, see you soon. Uh, Bill Bennett's okay. next. We talk about getting schools open. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We have to open our schools. Open our schools. Stop this nonsense. We open our schools. So we have to get our schools open. Denmark, Sweden. We have to get our schools open and stop this political nonsense. And it's only political nonsense. It's politics. They don't want to open because they think it will help them on November 3rd. I think it's going to hurt them on November 3rd. Open your schools. Former Secretary of Education for the Reagan administration, former drug czar for President George H.W. Bush, Fox News contributor, best-selling author, uh, Bill Bennett. Uh, welcome back. And also author of a great book, America, The Last Best Hope. Bill, if you're Secretary of Education, how much power do you have right here to help open up the schools responsibly? Not much. Uh, not much. It's a local decision. The federal government contributes about 10 to 12 percent of the budget of these schools, uh, often less, uh, and has uh, less authority than people think. It's a local decision. However, moral suasion, uh, I think, is uh, possible uh, from the president and from the secretary, and they've both been doing that. Uh, but it seems that whatever the president wants, uh, 40% of the country or 50% of the country doesn't. And whatever the president wants, 50% will always say, I'll do whatever he wants. In this age of polarization, do you believe this straddles that line because it affects so many families? Yeah, yeah it does straddle the line. I noticed right here in uh, outside Washington, Arlington County, which is pretty blue. You know, that's one of the Washington suburbs. You know this, Brian. Uh, 73% of uh, parents said bring the kids back to school. Uh, and you saw a poll in New York, I think, that was quite similar in that it isn't exactly Trump country, New York City. Parents want their kids back in school. Uh, they were handling it this spring. Some of them handled it admirably. Some had a lot of trouble. But almost all said, uh, you know, get them back. And we can get them back. And we can get them back safely. Uh, and uh, there's just a lot of canards out there, misrepresentations about uh, the reality of the health situation when it comes to kids. These kids... Uh, from early ages to, through the teens into their into their early 20s, uh, do not uh, uh, have the susceptibility to COVID 
that uh, adults have, especially older adults, and they do not seem to be transmitters. I think the final thing on this is, and there's a ton of statistics I could cite, but the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is an organization dedicated to the health on grounds of physical health, mental health, social health, academic health. Here's uh, Anthony Fauci yesterday to the Hill, cut 15. I would hope we don't have to resort to shutdown. I think that would be something that is obviously an extreme. I think it would not be viewed very, very favorably, even by the states and the cities involved. So rather than think in terms of reverting back down to a complete shutdown, I would think we need to get the states pausing in their opening process. That's a that's a fear. Not only can't you get the kids back to school, that they'll try to shut down again. You were against the shutdown to begin with. So, right. What I mean, there's no way this president would ever allow that again, would he? I don't think so. But again, it's not his call. It's the governors who who will make this call. Oh, we look at now at countries that didn't have the shutdowns, and um, you know they're doing fine. They're doing better than the United States. By the way, when it comes to schools. The president, the clip you played, Brian, I mentioned a couple of countries, 24 countries uh, have reopened their schools or never shut them down. uh, And there's a very, very low incidence of uh, COVID. By the way, let me just point out this year since uh, the shutdown, uh, we have had 14 deaths of young people from COVID, most of them with other conditions involved. We've had 42 deaths from the flu children. They're much more susceptible to the flu. Uh, 186 children died from the flu last year. We don't shut our schools down because of the flu. Uh, we didn't do it in the flu epidemics in the past, and we shouldn't be doing it for, for COVID. In terms of the general shutdown, I think it was a mistake because it's a matter of counting. Uh, due to the cost of, uh, of, of uh, the price we had to pay for shutting down in terms of uh, people's ability to bring home income, their mental health, uh, the uh, economy, a uh, host of other things, and it was a losing bargain. So I hope we do not uh, get tempted by this shutdown again. I think it would be a big mistake. Yeah, but, you know, the one thing we do need and is money because you're going to need – the schools are going to need clean teams, uh, bus monitors to screen students, they say, in Marietta, Georgia, uh, for to make sure, you know, you get that temperature check when you walk in. Maybe you get some rapid tests. They're going to need some an investment there, especially for teachers in their 60s. Uh, disinfecting school buildings, hiring extra nurses, maybe getting some educators uh, to back up some of those with preexisting conditions, whether you're in the middle of cancer treatment on down. So I understand the concerns, and there'll be money. And if Mitch McConnell is going to go back for another stimulus package, do you agree, Bill, that that better be in it, funding for these schools to make the adjustments? No, not necessarily at all. I know school budgets. Uh, I know them inside out. Uh, New York, you're talking about $25,000 per child per year. There's enough money in that budget per child uh, to pay for these things. Didn't we save any money last spring? Look, if we have to spend some money, have to spend some money, we can. But I believe there's enough fat in these school budgets uh, that we uh, that we shouldn't have to. Uh, again, I think, by the way, it's not so much the Democrat Party at large that's opposed uh, to uh, the opening as uh, a lot of the unions, which are using it as a bargaining position for just what you're talking about, more money. If it's needed, okay, I don't think it is. So uh, the president of uh, one of these teachers' unions, National Education Association, said this to the yeah. president. 
bit of a dare. There's no one that wants their kids back uh, with us more than, than teachers. Maybe, maybe their parents, maybe their parents beat us out there, but we want to open it safely. This isn't a bar. We're talking about second graders. I had 39 sixth graders one year in my class. I double dog dare Donald Trump to sit in a class of 39 sixth graders and breathe that air without uh, any preparation for how we're going to bring our kids back safely. I think I, I go, uh, know, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, there is an experiment being done that's called daycare. Uh, Brown University, not exactly sympathetic uh, to the president, did a study on daycares that remained open during the pandemic. Out of over 25,000 kids in their study, they found 0.16% had confirmed cases. And barely more than 1% of staff uh, had uh, had cases. Those are safe classrooms to sit in. If they're safe in daycare centers, which, as you know, Brian, <laughs> have been called uh, you know greenhouses for every germ in the world, uh, I think they're going to be pretty safe in those uh, in those classrooms. I would sit in that classroom. By the way, I would too. We could have to go far and wide to find a classroom with 39 kids in it these days. I want you to hear uh, the other thing is that you're passionate about as an ex football player is sports. Lou Holtz weighed in on this new push. In Ivy League, they stopped all sports uh, for the fall. And who knows? They'll probably do in the spring. Harvard, the whole year, they're going to do remote learning. That's unacceptable. Especially Harvard, isn't that the place where uh, they had all the Chinese students that were possibly spying on uh, 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 and, and scooping up American technology? But I get sidetracked. Here's Lou Holtz. He weighed in yesterday on the possibility of only having conference play. Cut 28. Now, if you eliminate all non-conference games, first of all, you have some teams in the Big Ten that schedule four patsies so they know they're going to win four games, win two conference games, and go to a bowl. That ain't going to happen. But let me tell you, the devastating effect it's going to have is in the non-Power 5 schools. My son's head coach of Louisiana Tech. He should play Baylor, Vanderbilt, et cetera. Those are money games. Those are very, very important to them. But how are you going to have football when they don't even want to have school? He's outraged. Life is full of risks, he said earlier in the soundbite. Yeah, sure it is. And uh, I hope uh, people don't follow the example of the Ivy League here. Uh, Both of my sons were Ivy League athletes, uh, starting players, uh, and uh, had good careers. Uh, I don't think the SEC, Brian, do you think SEC will follow the Ivy League? I don't think so. Uh, And Holtz makes a great point. Let these institutions decide for themselves. But uh, I think you'll see that a lot of these institutions will open and have uh, very little difficulty. By the way, back to the schools thing, you know, the the matter of choice, mobility. You probably know that a lot of people are leaving New York and some of them are heading to Connecticut, a blue state. But it's a state that's going to open its schools this fall. You got it. I mean, it's so detrimental. Uh, Bill, yeah. there's not one. I've, um, you know, I've, I've two teenagers and one in his 20s. I know a lot yeah. of teachers. There's nobody that doesn't want to go to school. There's nobody that says that this Zoom learning hasn't been an absolute bust. Even the kids say we have learned nothing. The ones that want to learn things have learned nothing. So my daughter went to college remote. It was a joke. And it's ridiculously boring. Uh, You sit in live classrooms and... 
It's terrible, and they did it all pass-fail in some cases, so you're not getting your money's worth. And these universities on the cusp, not the Harvards and the USC's and UCLA's of the world, they need this tuition. And a lot of the kids are going to go, I'm taking a gap year, and you're going to lose your $50,000, your $70,000. How many can you lose before you lose as a university? They're already cutting sports out after one season, the so-called non-revenue sports. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian, uh, this uh, may cause, in fact, a pause on the part of some parents and some students in their whole idea of higher education. Little notice, but the president uh, has ordered the federal government in hiring to pay more attention to skills, what people can do uh, rather than degrees. Uh, And this is uh, this is a very radical idea. Some people may get the notion, you know, I really don't know if I need these universities. Uh, education. Uh, I did a book on this. Is college worth it? And the answer in most places is no, it's not. In some cases, places it is very much worth it. So uh, this may cause a, a deeper reflection about colleges and universities. Be careful what you do here at mm-hmm. universities and giving people a chance to reevaluate what you what you offer to them. Right. Uh, you may uh, come out the you know, wrong side of this. General question. Yeah. Um, why is it that Old school Republicans like you, conservatives, can adapt to President Trump's style like Newt Gingrich has. Uh, like, obviously, he's not so uh, – he's this generation, but, you know, Mike Pompeo. I see a lot of people sign on, you know, look at Fred Flights. And others can't. You see this whole Lincoln project. People that you're you, – that are your friends, maybe John Bolton. Why is it that, that people like you can adjust to the Trump style – and others who think like you can't? I don't know, but I'll tell you, it's been very sad and disappointing and dismaying. I've thinned out my Rolodex. Like I just said, the pause here is going to make some people think about college. I've had to reevaluate who my my real friends are uh, because I've been uh, now castigated for my support of the president. I don't know. You know, <clears throat> my heroes have always been people who transcended the politics. Uh, they weren't ideologues for the most part. They were people who, you know, had vision and got things done, uh, be that uh, James Madison or Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King or Donald Trump. And uh, and he is. But a lot of this is style. Um, and, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. People grow up in different ways. And there's a certain kind of exquisite sensitivity to a lot of Republicans to Trump's style. Uh, that just so puts them off. Uh, and that, that ain't the way to evaluate someone who's running the country. I understand he's rough and ready. I understand he's not a choir boy. It may be, you know, personal life experience that has something to do with it. You know, I, I tell people, I talk to the president occasionally, not as often as you do, certainly. But, you know, he's from Queens. I'm from Brooklyn. Uh, I know what he's talking about. I, uh, you know, we talk the same language. I know. Um that's just strange. I just find the whole thing strange. Do you believe he can close the gap and win in November? Yeah, I do. I do believe he can. He's got to show the differences uh, between uh, him and Biden. Uh, and it looks like that may get harder since Biden is doing the copycat act. That was quite something yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. By American. Oh, is, there an, is there an echo in here? I know. No one's buying <laughs> yeah. that from him. Uh, I know. I don't, I don't think so. But the big difference is, and I think... Here's one quick thought. The president can move to the center on a lot of issues. He's not an ideologue. Biden, I I don't think he can. Not for very long. I don't think they will let him. I don't think the keepers will let him. Plus, uh, let's see what happens this summer. And if we have more of these uh, 
more of the civil disorder, this radical craziness going on, uh, that's going to help the president. But stop talking about Biden's personality and his uh, brain functions. Let other people do that. Talk about the differences. Uh, and he hits that hard when he talks about what will happen to the stock market, what will happen to taxes, what will happen to immigration policy and so on. He is Bill Bennett. Bill, thanks so much. Uh, pick up his book, uh, America, The Last Best Hope. Bill, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, always. Bye. All right. And uh, you got his great series on Fox Nation called Wise Guys. Back with you, one 408 7669 in just a moment. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. one 408 7669 I'm going to be giving away some books. My personal war against uh, history, to keep history alive. And also, I got this report today. I've not confirmed it. There's going to be protests outside the Sam Houston statue in Houston, Texas. Unbelievable. What are these idiots doing? If that happens in Texas, it could happen anywhere. Cindy, listening on KJCE in Texas. Hey, Cindy. All right. Uh, Cindy's not there. All right. They put it on hold, I guess. Uh, Brian, listen to WRCN in Long Island. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. So I think I got something pretty important to say today. Uh, well, I think every day I got something important to say, but today especially. So recently, Don Lamont, um his his views, his older views, the, the views that has recently have changed, came out, and and he he stated how important it was to for the black community to move away from rap culture and the glorification of violence in these communities, and then you know all of a sudden he's he's completely on the other side, and 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 he's demonizing the police, and 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 you have to ask yourself, Brian, why 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 did he change his why why was he on the right side of black communities and now Karen when was Porter, he on the right side how long ago when what clip are you looking at uh, it, it was it was uh, it was on your uh i think um tucker and um hannity played it last night i think it was about 10 years ago um so you know or, or eight years ago it, it might have been during obama's um terms but I mean, he had a lot of really important points that I completely agree with, and I think most of us do. And 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 now he shifted completely, and it, it's because and and, and I, th- I want people to, to ask Trump. themselves why, like what why did this happen? And it's and it's, it's because of CNN. power. CNN, the the boss of, of CNN, and all these agencies, they want to keep power, and and they know that Donald Trump is a threat to their very way of life, that their existence. They want to control the country. They want to control it through a narrative. And, and right now, Donald Trump is the biggest threat to them. And I want everyone in the middle that hasn't made up their mind yet to think about Don Lamont and why his view has changed so drastically. And I think that's really important. I think it's, uh, I think it's a couple of things. You can't get on CNN and say anything positive about the president. If you're a strong proponent of Republican issues, conservative views, and the president— 
you don't get on. You might get signed, but you don't get on. Stephen Moore, when he was over there as an economic advisor, was defending Trump's economic plan. Things are going well. They didn't book him. They didn't renew him. Uh, Rick Santorum is very strong. He's never on, almost never on. And other people aren't even signed. So there's no there's no place at CNN for someone to be clear thinking or go issue by issue. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's going to be a great hour. I hope you had enjoyed listening to the show all week. We certainly have. Uh, we love when you're out there. Uh, Geraldo's going to be joining us in a matter of seconds. Shannon Bream at the bottom of the hour. She'll unwind and humanize some of these Supreme Court decisions yesterday and tell you what it all means. Uh, I also have some good news. It looks like the Mets are really up for sale this time, which means the Wilpons must really be out of money uh, because it looks like the Steve Cohen has the most money. They say if J-Lo and A-Rod get close, the Wilpons rather sell to them. My feeling is if something happens like with every celebrity couple and they end up divorced, they're going to end up destroying destroying the team in the meantime. Unless it's in a situation where they can keep the money separate, because remember what happened with the Dodgers. They got divorced, and the team just fell by the wayside as they battled it out uh, in court. So that'll be good. So we'll talk to them and then talk to you uh, shortly. The president of the United States just left for Miami. He's going to be meeting. I have a series of meetings down there. I have a, 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 a fundraiser. And then we know tomorrow night, Saturday, he's going to be in New Hampshire, an open-air event, if weather permits. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've already arrested 100 and over 150 uh, people on federal charges across the nation. Focus on these hardcore instigators that are involved uh, in this rioting. Paying the price for violence, finally, some arrests. FBI well, wake, uh, scoops up over 150 for the massive destruction in June. Didn't stop the world's worst mayor, Mayor de Blasio, from defiling Fifth Avenue while the state and the city fall apart. He has a roller and paints Black Lives Matter in the street. Number two. The American Academy of Pediatrics has said you must get these kids back to school for their physical health, their mental health, and their academic health. 24 countries uh, have reopened schools without any increase in the caseload. That is uh, William Bennett, Secretary of Education in his past life. Coronavirus threat remains, but the quest to open up schools must be even stronger than that. What's at stake, including the cost to kids, as Houston might have just become the new New York City, the epicenter of the virus, while restaurants and gyms are becoming the targets of clueless politicians who might just destroy both industries. Number one. When the federal government spends taxpayers' money, we should use it to buy American products. Let's use this opportunity to take bold investments in American industry and innovation so the future is made in America. Make a choice, Joe. Are you, Ber- are you a Bernie bro, a socialist? Are you a left-wing radical like the squad? Or are you going to be make America great again, stealing that from Donald Trump too? In the last two days, he's presented all three. We will uh, see if any of them will fly as he hides from the media and runs from our questions. How long can this last? And before we bring in Geraldo, welcome. What's up? 
president just spoke. Here's what he said about Joe Biden stealing his line. He plagiarized from me, but he can never pull it off. He likes plagiarizing. Uh, it's a plan that uh, is very radical left, but he said the right things because he's copying what I've done. But the difference is he can't do it. And he knows he's not doing that. He can't be the same because he's raising taxes way too much. He's raising everybody's taxes. He's also putting tremendous amounts of regulations back on. And those two things are two primary reasons that I created the greatest economy we've ever had. And now we're creating it again. And he also mentioned he'd be for uh, redirecting money away from police. So if you're uh, the family of a police officer, an officer himself, a retired cop, if you are into fracking, if you're into oil and gas, the industry, you can't possibly vote for Joe Biden. But that doesn't matter. Logic sometimes doesn't into the fray. Geraldo Rivera does. Geraldo, he did steal from President Trump. You got to you got to be kidding me. You got to give him credit, though. He knows uh, that it's a working formula. He also knows, Brian, that. Uh, the economy is the one area where, even in the depths of his, uh, you know, a real slump, uh, President Trump, in terms of his popularity, uh, even in the slump, uh, he poll outpolls uh, Joe Biden on the economy. So what Biden suggests is, hey, why think of anything new? Let me just copy Trump. Uh, I'll just say it, it and uh, the New York Times will hear the same words that Trump uttered a day before. But when I say it, they'll think of it as great eloquence and wisdom. Right. But listen to this. Barack Obama kind of screwed Joe Biden here because he went out of his way in 2016 to say this. When somebody says that he's going to bring all these jobs back, well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. So not only did President Trump do it, but Joe Biden's trying to emulate it. Oops. And I think in that, that phase of his uh, presidency, Barack Obama was very pessimistic. And he, he surrendered, in a sense, to uh, internationalism. Uh, That's where, really, uh, he recognized that we had been exporting all of our manufacturing capability uh, to China. Uh, We've been buying China, the the short fix of cheap uh, available goods. Uh, China is, you know, an amazing factory state. Uh, And what Barack Obama did there was really surrender what Joe Biden is looking at is saying, hey, we can't do that anymore. No one likes China anymore. No one likes internationalism anymore. People want to know what you're doing to help people right here. Uh, So he co-opted Trump's message. I'm fine with it. You know, I'm also fine with raising corporate income tax. I think they're getting a steal at 21 percent. I don't know what it should be. Maybe 28, as he suggests, Biden, uh, but maybe someplace between 21 and 28. I don't know. Uh, but uh, with that money, creating jobs, that's a good thing. But uh, how can you not be against uh, – how can you be against fracking and hope to get Pennsylvania? I just don't understand that. Well, no, he, uh, of course he avoided saying that, but that's exactly what he would do. Or he would lose the Bernie people and the, and the, the AOC would stay home. So at one point, uh, either he's got to do it a week and a nod behind the scenes and say, guys, I can't say exactly your agenda, but I'm going to do it. Then they got to believe him because he has 40 years, uh, 47 years of not doing it. Or he's got to not do it and then lose their support. 
Britt Hume saw an opportunity in some of the mistakes that Biden's making. Cut 10. So he has opportunities here. He has chances. Uh, the, the, the sheer leftward drift of this party and, and, the, and the outright leftism of this agenda would seem, seem to present opportunities if the Trump campaign and Trump himself can capitalize on them. It remains to be seen if he can or will and, would, you know, and can stop talking about himself long enough to, to talk about something else and talk about their agenda. And his message. It's good advice, right? I, I, I think so. But I think what Biden is doing is being extremely pragmatic, and that makes him much more of a formidable candidate. If he admitted, as Bernie Sanders said yesterday, the day before, that what they've negotiated, Biden and Sanders, is the most progressive uh, you know, platform in the history of the Democratic Party, if, if that's true, Biden cannot run on that. He'll lose on that. But if there is a tacit understanding, as you suggest, that he'll say one thing, he'll say capitalism and protectionism and uh, industrial might and infrastructure on the one hand, and then in the back room say, uh, you know, uh, Medicare for all and, uh, you know, uh, no uh, oil and gas industry and all the rest of the radical proposals of the Green New Deal and and the hard left. Uh, if they go along with it, if he can carry the progressives with him, with the wink and a nod, with the, uh, you know... Uh, I don't think he can. Oh, I'm not suggesting that. I'll be clear. I'm not suggesting that he's doing any of that. I'm saying that that's, a, that's an idea. Either he's lying to the public or lying to them. Because he right. can't or do both. Or understanding that that's a, the Democrat strategy, say one thing and do another. Unbelievable. Uh, so the President of the United States, I think, has a problem that's correctable. He wants to be a cheerleader through the coronavirus. The smartest people in the world tell us, wash your hands and wear a mask. Really? That's You're the experts, and that's what you tell us to do? Stay six feet away. Really? Okay. That's all you got? We're working on a vaccine. Fine. So what do you expect the president to say that's cutting edge? Nothing. So when he says nothing, it makes it seem like the seniors are being ignored. And when 136,000 lose their lives and the president doesn't talk about it, they seem to think that he is letting them die. And I think the president could correct that by flying around to these regional consortiums, addressing them, meeting the seniors in a safe way, hearing their concerns, seeing how their lives have been altered. They're not seeing their grandchildren. They're not getting out. They don't go out to dinner. Uh, they can only go into parks with each other. And seriously, then I think he'll begin to make inroads with the seniors. Do you agree? When we see the president of the United States what you just said is exactly the advice we should give him. Uh, he's got, he's, if he loses, it'll be because of the damn virus and what the virus has done to all of us, including the economy. But the fact that so many of those who died died in nursing homes, I think that he can single out an aspect of the big issue and work on it, as you suggest, in an up-close and personal way. Let him put on a damn mask, go outside one of the big nursing homes where people have died, talk to people through the window, or in some other ways voice his concern, his, his utter involvement, rather than fighting with Fauci, which gets him no place. Uh, he, he should do 
you know, old-style politics. Just be Trump. Just go around and say, uh, you know, these big nursing homes uh, institutionally, they don't work anymore. When people have an infectious disease, you don't stuff them in a building. And we certainly don't do what Governor Cuomo did and uh, take infected people from hospitals and put them in side-by-side, cheek-by-jowl with uh, uninfected uh, old-timers in a nursing home. I I think that there is a lot of... uh, Uh, And it is important for the country. Forget about politics. We need some sense that the president is engaged and that the team is on the same page and that we're winning this damn battle. It's, uh, it is the most frustrating and frightening uh, issue that's come down the pike in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, uh, there's a million things to say about the riots and the looting and the disorder and the defunding the police and the Black Lives Matter painting on streets and all the rest of that, and that uh, can rally the base. But in terms of old-style, important, substantive politics, I think the president with right. the weight of his authority and his energy in the in fighting the standby. Uh, I do agree with you, but just keep in mind, this guy named Barack Obama liked to give important jobs to Vice President Biden, and this president gave important jobs to Vice President Pence. Pence is flying around the old country. He is hands-on. And if you're going to put down the president for, not you, but if you're going to say, why would the president license this out? Well, that's typical. When you when you trust your vice president, you give him big jobs, and and I think that puts the former vice president in a box. So one, let's get back to the violence. Turns out Mayor De Blasio says you should no parades, no games. Not sure about school, but if you protest, I understand because it's an important time in this country. He's such a clown. But I, what, I think that, that he is shameful. What De Blasio has done, oh. allowing Black Lives Matter to paint that in front of, on Fifth Avenue and 57th Street, the most luxurious corner uh, on earth, maybe, uh, where if, if you're going to be gaudy and high-end, that's the place to do it. And Trump Tower fit right in uh, that neighborhood. And then to have the Black Lives Matter to bring that kind of uh, conflict and class warfare, yeah. uh, it reveals de Blasio to be a left-wing thug uh, uh, whose interest is scoring cheap political points, not in bringing New Yorkers together or protecting them from violence or creating a sense of harmony right. in the wake of the damn virus. So in Baltimore, they threw Christopher Columbus's statue into the Inner Harbor. It turns out her father put it up and her brother also is mayor of Baltimore. And in San Francisco, they've gotten and destroyed Ulysses S. Grant, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, and a saint in San Francisco. She was asked about this. Not a hard question, but listen to her inexplicable answer. Cut 33. I don't care that much about statues. Respectfully, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. uh, I do think that from a safety standpoint— uh, it would be a good idea to uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission, uh, but it just could be a, a community view. And sometimes it's something that's been there, that view has been there for a while. What do you think about that? I think that uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, is enabling, right there, enabling uh, vandalism. Uh, desecration of, uh, of of sites in the in the uh, case of the uh, of the uh, patron saint there, uh, she's uh, ignoring uh, lawlessness that leads to the kind of violence and uh, usurpation of other people's property that is absolutely contemptuous. Uh, I I think that uh, that's shameful. 
right there. What Nancy Pelosi did was shameful. She should be embarrassed by it. And I think it will cost Democrats ultimately. Uh, you know, again, I think it's the virus, and then it's law and order and the economy. It's going to be uh, going to be quite a, an election season. But if that's Nancy Pelosi's position, I think it's indefensible. Right? Geraldo's wearing shorts. Uh, Talking to me, I know that he <laughs> showed me that? his legs on Fox and Friends. That was so funny. By the way, you're I flexible. You I love you guys. I love being on uh, the show with you guys. You're uh, great. It's great. We love having you on. Geraldo Rivera, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Have, have a, a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Uh, your turn next. one 408 Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Wow, uh, lines jammed. I'm going to be giving away a few of my books, the ones that you want, one 408 John, listen to WLAD in Danbury, Connecticut. Hey, John. Hi, how are you, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I won't try to take too much time, but so far I've heard I agreed with the Admiral. People need to understand that intelligence is, in fact, information we get, and then we make it fact. And if it's intelligence, you can't you say somebody knew something. Uh, I'm Bill Bennett. I agree with him. The child's mind is pliable. we got to open schools. It's more important than the sickness they'll get. I wanted to say something to you, if I could, Brian, about you're wondering how old-time uh, you know, conservatives agree with Trump. you got to remember, and the true conservative thing, and I'm almost positive you'll agree, it has to do with morality, conscience, the movement, and the good of the United States of America. And if we have that, no matter how starchy we are or, right. you know, flagrant we are, we all kind of agree on that. Uh, all right. Thank, uh, uh, thank John. Thank you. And, uh, you know, guys like Bill Bennett, like Newt Gingrich, uh, obviously I could run down a huge list, but there were other people like George Will and others and, um, you know, Brett Stevens that don't. Uh, for me, uh, I don't know any president that's got a perfect background. You look at Ronald Reagan, great guy, great marriage. But you're not the best parent. Uh, most of his kids resented him. So, or wanted more attention. So there's always a problem because guess what? They're not perfect people. But man, did he make an impact on the country? Uh, Joe was on WABC in New Jersey. Joe. Hey, Brian. Good morning. I wanted to reach out to you because I trust you to be a truth talker. I wanted to let you know what's going on here in New Jersey with the mail-in voting crap with Governor Phil Murphy and Executive Order 144. So here as a resident in Jersey, we receive mail-in ballots, which I'm totally against. I called my local uh, voter bureau uh, with regard to I wanted to vote in person. They said he didn't know at the time if he was going to allow in-person voting. A few weeks later, I get a mail-in voting card. I get a voting card to go to my local polling station. I get there, and they're handing out the same packets that they sent you. You fill them out. You seal the envelope with your ballot, but you have to write on the back of it whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. So right then and there, they see all the Republicans. Once they throw them in the garbage, because I, I absolutely, said that I got huge problems. Joe, you're 100 percent right. Huge problems with that. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. 
Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a path that the Supreme Court has laid out that we certainly will not ignore. And we will never stop our oversight. This isn't so much about the president's records, although we'd like to know, you know, how Russia funded his operation all those years. But that's not what was at stake. What was at stake is the president above the law. What's with her? Uh, by the way, uh, just throw out allegations as if you're hanging out in a sports bar playing darts. The Speaker of the House says how the Russians funded his organization all those years. There's no subst- substance to that statement, but I'll just throw it out there anyway. There's no, You know there's a lot of substance to this. Shannon Bream joins me. And we're always thrilled to have her. Shannon, there's a lot of substance behind those, those remarks. Well, I mean, it, it makes me think of Harry Reid when he was the you know, top Democrat in the Senate. Going on to the Senate floor and saying, word on the street is that Mitt Romney doesn't pay his taxes. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, I guess. And then later he admitted he lied. There are, there, I'm sure there are Republicans who do this kind of stuff, too. But your latest example, Nancy Pelosi, is a good one. Listen, she maybe should be happy that the tax returns of the president aren't going to be released anytime soon. Because then they can just continue to speculate about, you know, finding a line item uh, on the tax return that says payment from Vladimir Putin. I mean, they can say whatever because we don't have the documents. So, you know how DC is: speculation, speculation, speculation. So, I'm, I'm just looking at uh, the decision now that you you did some uh, great incident analysis yesterday, and I watched your show last night. I watched the repeat at three in the morning. So, mm-hmm. I'm looking at that. So, you look at these two decisions. Is it a split decision in your mind? Well, I mean, the, I, I, yes, in, in that they say the state criminal um, subpoena, listen, presidents are not absolutely immune from that. Um, and But the thing is that people miss in the first blush is they didn't fully shut down this case and rule on it. It's got to go back to the lower courts with some guidance. And they say there the president can raise additional arguments if he wants to. So that case is not over. But the first headline you see is Cyrus Vance is getting the documents. It's over for the president, which is just not accurate. Um, it could be long term. I mean, the fight's going to continue on. Um, but with the, the House committees, too, they said, listen, a president can have to comply with a subpoena from Congress. Um, but you've got to look at the motivation, because when you have opposing parties controlling, you know, one of the houses of Congress and the presidency, you got to know that these are going to be politically motivated sometimes. Um, you know, so the court was very clear on that, that that's got to be an issue, too. So, I mean, people say once the dust settles, I mean, it was definitely a short term win for the president in that these, uh, you know, financial documents are not going to be released anytime soon. And I think a lot of the continuing litigation will, you know, turn on whether or not he's reelected and who wants to continue these fights. True. Uh, So Jeffrey Tubin, your arch enemy, uh, said this about what he knows uh, about what's going to happen in New York. Cut 42. The subpoena by the New York City District Attorney, the Manhattan DA, Cyrus Vance, Vance won that case. Vance is going to get the president's tax returns and various financial documents from his accountant. When he gets it is not settled, and those documents will not be made public. That's part of a secret grand jury investigation. But there is no doubt that 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 case, that investigation, will go forward. Whether it results in any charges, I don't know. So do you agree with that? I, I think long-term that could be true. I don't think short-term that's true. There was nothing in the decision yesterday, to my reading, that said, okay, um, and listen, both the companies, the financial companies that have been involved 
that said, we'll do whatever the courts tell us to do. There was nothing in that ruling yesterday that said, okay, turn over the documents. It said, this goes back to the lower court. We've given you some guidance that no presidents are not immune from these, but there's still arguments to be made. And the president's legal team is absolutely vowing to do that. So I think, you know, there's that case still has much to be played out. Shannon, I want to tap into your legal mind for something else. In New York, you probably don't know this, but for some reason, even though we're in phase four and there are, there are almost no cases on Long Island, they are keeping gyms shut in the state. They are so frustrated, not even on a phase list. There's no hope or end of the light at the end of the tunnel. Big and small gyms, chains in individual owners, they have a class action suit. Now, the governor reversed himself on malls. He said, yeah, you know what? You do these certain things with filters and air conditions, you can open up malls. What chance does this class action suit have? And if you are a small business owner and do things, you set up a criteria, you really have no power if you have a, um, a governor that, that can't be satisfied? I mean, I think this pandemic has unleashed all kinds of legal questions and problems that we haven't seen before. And I think these people have a chance because... You know, when you talk about it's the same thing with churches suing like, OK, in Nevada, you can open a casino and have people in there. We, you know, with restrictions, you can have them at um, some bars and restaurants, but we can't hold a church service. I mean, people are really, um, you know, a couple of these cases are at the Supreme Court on emergency petitions right now. I think all that stuff's going to be litigated because people saw how quickly that governments can unilaterally make these decisions. It can cost people their entire business they've yeah. spent their whole life building. Um, and, and you can't prioritize different First Amendment rights. Either you can protest and you can have religious freedom and you can you know, petition the government, or you can't. You can't just say, well, you know, one part of the First Amendment, the protests are fine, but you can't go to church. I mean, I think that you're going to see all kinds of litigation um, with all of these cases. And I, I think the business owners out there... They've got a good case. If you can show that other businesses are open and you're being treated differently, um, you know, the government has to explain that or they have to stop being tyrants. So I was talking to a few restaurant owners and in New York City, they said, "Okay, phase three, you get to have in-house dining. The day before, they said no. And all these guys and these women who own these restaurants had bought the food and rehired their people. Mm-hmm. They literally mm-hmm. are throwing out food or giving it away. So you not only have you cost them money and the pandemic cost them money, you teased them, made them spend money they didn't have, and then pulled it back while the, pand- while the virus has been suppressed. I mean, it just you just feel – I mean, is this China? I mean, listen, I cannot imagine being a business owner, a restaurant owner, a small business owner in the states right now, because every state is different, too. In some places, county by county. Um, You know, we have a friend here that owns several restaurants in the D.C. area, but D.C., like, you know, like you guys up there um, in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut kind of area, you got different states and you're operating in three different states at a time. Um, You're getting different guidance from different governors, from different mayors. and I can't imagine how much businesses are struggling right now. People are trying to hold on in whatever creative way that they can. Um, but, yeah, there were situations here, too, where people didn't know until the day before, will my nail salon open? Will my restaurant open? Do I bring people back? Do I put them back on the payroll? Um, do I then send them home again two days later? I mean, I think it's been such a nightmare for business owners. Um, and this country is one that's built on entrepreneurs and it's built on freedom. And we count on those people being willing to risk everything to build their businesses. 
Uh, and this country has at times been more and less supportive of that. And right now it's, you know, it's a crapshoot. I can't imagine being out there and trying to hold on. If you could open up, well, how could they stop you? They just mm-hmm. take your liquor well, license? They could actually padlock your door? Right. Right. And you think about this barber, you guys may have interviewed him. We've interviewed him, um, Carl from up in Michigan, who's in his well into his 70s. He's been a barber, barber for 50 plus years and says, listen, I'm opening up. I can't survive. I have other people who need to work here and they have families. He opens up and he's hit with a fine of like a thousand bucks a day. They take him to um, the licensing board for barbers and say, you don't have a license to operate anymore. We're taking that away. Um, he's facing criminal charges. I mean, the man is facing charges on so many fronts, um, but he is one of those rare people, and we've seen them across the country, to say, I can do this safely. You're not going to destroy what I've spent my whole life building. Um, and he he has multiple court hearings. He's still got criminal you know, cases pending against him. But he's, I think, sort of emboldened and like, listen, I've lived through a lot. I've seen a lot. And I'm just going to do this on behalf of other people who maybe feel like they can't. Uh, I'm going to stand up. But, yeah, I mean, he could literally lose his license where then he can be arrested, fined, thrown in jail for cutting people's hair, um, all because he decided that he was going to take a stand on that. Lastly, Mayor de Blasio said no parades, no large gatherings, but protests. I understand this is an important time in this country. Are you kidding? I don't see how that I don't Does that, that help my case? Court. If I'm if I'm trying to get my restaurant open, can I use that in my argument? Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that stands up in court because again, if we say that the virus is dangerous and we agree, okay, let's have distancing, people wash their hands, wear a mask, be careful, um, and don't gather in groups. We won't permit any of that. But if you're protesting something, the virus magically does not operate in the same way. You're just—it's not going to be a sustainable sustainable argument in court. And some of the big biggest cases that we've seen. Um, how we have seen for injunctions and temporary restraining orders and that kind of thing, um, people have successfully made that argument. I mean, either we're operating on science or we're not. The virus doesn't know your ideology or what you're protesting or that you're singing a hymn. Um, you know, I just think that's a losing argument. And he, de Blasio of all people, is in the worst possible place because you remember early on he was out there shutting down um, Orthodox Jewish funerals and gatherings that were very important to that segment of um, the New York population. Um, While also a couple of weeks later, he's out there walking with protesters who also have an important message. Um, But you can't treat those two things differently. Like I said, freedom to religion, freedom of religion and freedom to petition and assemble. That's all in the First Amendment. There's not like parts sub A, two and three. I mean, it's the First Amendment. You're a multimedia threat. You have to run. So therefore, I have to run. <laughs> you can't break up with me. I'm breaking up with you. Uh, I'm gonna uh, watch I you. quit. You can't fire me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to watch <laughs> you tonight at 11. See you then. Okay. Back in a moment. He calls. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to do a little bit more to know, uh, but um, this time um, I will. If if, uh, you want a book and I can help fight the war against history, 
by giving you one of my books, it would definitely harden me. By the way, if you don't, if you don't have a chance to call in, you're at work, you're in your car, you're not one of the guys to call shows, only a small percent do, I get it. If you ever go to BrianKillMe.com, you can order it, and I can personalize it for you for any holiday. I go in there once every three or four weeks now that bookstores are open in New York. Uh, Joy is listening on WLAD in Carmel, New York. Hey, Joy. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Um, just wanted to find uh, to um, make a point about the statues uh, being torn down. Nancy Pelosi should really uh, think of it more as uh, a violation, a rape, if you will. These statues are being violated. There is our legal consensual ways that people can vote on whether or not the statues stay up or down and put away carefully. There's artwork, there's history behind them. Uh, like you've said before, have a plaque uh, to to explain more, if, if necessary, of what the artist was trying to portray. Um, this is history. This this is and 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 not everybody has the view, uh, the same view. Uh, the silent majority uh, really is very silent on the matter. And I just wanted to voice one of those. Thank you very opinions. much, because you're a rational person, and no one ever hears from rational people. They only hear about the people whose hair's on fire. And let me ask you something. In life, how often do you lose your temper and you say, that was a good move? I mean, I wish there were so many times I say my things, and I might feel like I should never have said that. When I look at people right. ripping down Absolutely. statues, throwing them in the inner harbor, that is never an irrational act, rarely pays off. So, uh, and now I'm, I'm looking at this. People are emailing me this morning about this new movement to take Sam Houston down. All he did was uh, provide tech, Texas with the leadership and tactical ability to win a war against a standing army, become the first president and then lead it towards annexation into America and have the wisdom to try to keep Texas out of the Civil War. He deserves a statue bigger than the Statue of Liberty, and I think he's got it. Uh, and, you know, Joy, I'm going to get you a book. Uh, what book would you want? Sam Houston, The Alamo Avengers, George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, The Tripoli oh, Pirates, or— Absolutely, George Washington. All right. Uh, well, hold on, and Pete's going to take care of you. I'm trying to see if that story is, in fact, true about Sam Houston. Right now, I'm not seeing it. Okay, so hopefully that's not true. Rob was on WSKY in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, Rob. Hey, Brian. Uh, two quick questions. First of all, why are we worried about getting the tax returns of a person who's a billionaire and go, decides to go into office when we have people who decided to go into office barely making it or partially broke like AOC, um, who suddenly become multimillionaires while they're supposedly doing service. That um, is a great point. Question. Did you see oh. the size of, of, of Joe Biden's house? It is a compound. Oh, yeah. yeah. And 40 years, if 40 years, he's done nothing but supposed government service. Um, second question, what is going on with our money supply? I went yesterday, uh, we've, we've got some toll roads here in Florida. I went down to get a roll of quarters from the bank and was told, hey, non-commercial customers can't buy rolls of coins because there's a shortage. What? I did not just first time hearing of that. Yeah, it's apparently I looked online and apparently there is some sort of uh, money shortage. And I was like, well, wait a minute. The Federal Reserve is still working. Um, the banks are supposedly open. But, yeah, they said only uh, commercial customers can get uh, rolls of change right now. 
Uh, good note. Uh, so much so, so often. I, I learned things from callers. Here's another. What, what uh, book of mine can I get you? You know what? I trust you. I, I would be honored to have any one of them. I'll let you choose. All right. You hold off. Uh, Rob will get your name and number. Uh, we'll send you Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, because it just came out on paperback. Uh, let's go out to Mark listening in the villages. Mark, how are you? Hey, hey, Brian, thanks for taking my call. I, I, I don't know how you wrap your head around everything that goes on in this country. I just don't know how you do it. Um, the reason I'm calling in is, you know, basically Biden's a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, taking a page out of Trump's playbook. You know, I'm going to bring jobs back to this country and this and that. How are you going to do that? You're, you're in bed with China. You're getting money from them. And so is it your son. And, and you're going to sit here and help the black communities? Well, you guys didn't do anything for eight years. The problem is, Brian, people believe what he's saying, and they are going to vote for him. You know what I recommend? Taking a quiz before you're allowed to vote. If you pass these certain tests, then you can vote. Uh, people don't even want to show ID. You think we're going to get a quiz passed? Forget it. <laughs> but the biggest joke, the biggest joke is mail-in voting. It is a train wreck. And I know this. A member, uh, a close friend of ours, son is 20 years old. There's time to mail in ballots for the local school budget. And they turn around and say, Mom, do me a favor. Fill out my ballot and mail it in. Good Lord. That's it. How often do you think that's going to happen? I don't follow politics. You, you, Dad, you go vote for who you want to vote for. Exactly. You can fill mine exactly. out. Or, hey, everybody, I run this family. Give me your ballots. I'm going to fill it out. <laughs> you know that. You know that's the dynamic at the table. So yeah. mail-in yeah. voting, we should fight with our last breath to make it, uh, to, to limit it to people that can't get in. Absentee ballots, I'm fine with. If you're overseas serving, I get it. But it can't be for the 300 million people that are here. Um, at least for my Unbelievable. Money. Thanks so much. Uh, hold on. Uh, I'll get you. Uh, what book do you want? Well, I've got your Sam Houston. I'll take the George Washington one. It's on its way. Hold on. We'll get your address, and I'll sign him in the break. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, go. Don't keep in mind, if you ever miss the show, you can get us on Radio.com. And if you ever want to capture the podcast and maybe re-listen to a show or listen to a show you missed during the week, go to iTunes, go to iHeart, or BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're finishing out this week. Corey Lewandowski at the bottom of the hour. The president's strategy going forward. And you know, Corey uh, is from New Hampshire, almost ran for the Senate there. And the president's going to be there Saturday. Smartly, he's going to be in an air, airline hangar area. It's going to be open, um, open air. Smart, spread them out, get rid of critics. This way they focus on what you say, not how the audience was sitting, not where the location was or how many people are there. I think they're very smart, not to mention the crowd size, because it's going to vary. A lot of people would do anything for Donald Trump, but just say, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm a senior. I'm susceptible. I'm worried about the virus. I'm not going to go, but I'll vote for him. In fact, the governor, Kristen Unu, who is a big Trump fan, 
and I know we spent some time with him at the at the primaries. A lot of them. We did a feature with him, and he came on radio too. He's not going, but he's going to meet him earlier in the day. So I get it. You could be a big supporter, but you just want to watch yourself in the crowds. Now, look, there's no doubt about it. The coronavirus is, is spreading. In South Carolina, I'm reading this story. That's a huge hotspot now. Uh, Florida has got a lot of positive tests. And, and they're really worried in Arizona, as well as Houston, Texas, about beds. But let's see how they work their way through it, because thankfully, this will not result in long-term illness or death in most cases, overwhelmingly number of cases. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've already arrested hundred and over 150 uh, people on federal charges across the nation. Focus on these hardcore instigators that are involved uh, in this rioting. And remember, though, the arrest in, in Washington of the Andrew Jackson statue is Antifa related. Paying the price for the violent protest. Finally, FBI takes in a bunch of people for the massive destruction in June. Didn't stop the world's worst mayor from defiling Fifth Avenue and saying people should be able to protest. It's an important time in America while saying no parades and we can't go to restaurants indoors. Unbelievable. Number two. The American Academy of Pediatrics has said you must get these kids back to school for their physical health, their mental health and their academic health. 24 countries uh, have reopened schools without any increase in the caseload. Coronavirus threat remains, but the quest to open up schools must be stronger. What's at stake, including the cost to kids, as Houston might just become the summer's New York City hotspot, while restaurants and gyms are becoming the targets of clueless politicians who might just destroy both industries. Number one. When the federal government spends taxpayers' money, We should use it to buy American products. Let's use this opportunity to take bold investments in American industry and innovation so the future is made in America. Really? Does that sound familiar? Hey, make a choice, Clueless Joe. Are you taking on Bernie's agenda like you were on Thursday or Wednesday? The squads like you were on Tuesday? Getting rid of capitalism? That's their quest. Or your new option, Donald Trump's agenda. In the last two days, he's presented all three. I buy none of it as he hides from the media and runs from questions. How long will we allow this to last? Because it's really the media that's sitting back and not forcing him to do anything. Donald Trump talks to the media all day. If not one-on-ones, he gets them going on the tarmac. He gets them on the front lawn. He gets them on the back lawn. But Joe Biden makes this speech, talks about American manufacturing and bringing back business. Don't you remember, Joe, the administration you were involved in? You wanted to say manufacturing was gone. It's just too costly because of the unions that you support. Jack up prices, making labor too costly and putting it to places like China. And it's time for a reevaluation. No one's been more staunch on that and stalwart on that than Donald Trump. And no one's been more against it than Barack Obama. You want proof? Cut four. When somebody says that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. Okay, a couple of things. 
Manufacturing did come back. He didn't use a magic wand. He was indefatigable in pushing for it and going to meet with these industries. He brought them into the White House. And it's not sexy to say, I'm talking manufacturing today. That doesn't grab you headlines. You know what it does? The Mueller report. Vladimir Putin did this. We have a report to the New York Times from a, from a anonymous source that says X, Y, and Z, the Steele dossier, BuzzFeed, all this stuff. But it happened. And how do we know what happened? Why do I know that Donald Trump's been talking about it? Cut five. In my administration, we live by two simple rules. Buy American and hire American. Buy American and hire American. Buy American and hire American. I've been saying buy American ever since I announced I was running for office and long before that. So he comes out, Joe Biden, and says, let's do that. Uh, let's uh, the presumptive nominee comes out and says seven hundred billion dollars on American products. Let's spend that through government money in the hopes of bringing back millions of jobs. OK, flattened from the pandemic. True. Build back better is a catchy, a catchy word. But there's nobody who thinks you're going to do it. Also, you see to create five million new jobs in the first four economic uh, in the first four years that you're in the White House. Uh, Biden also expected to roll out over the coming weeks $300 billion on U.S.-based research and development. Nothing wastes more money than uh, research and development involving, you got it, electric cars, artificial intelligence, and similar technologies. So when you talk about what he's doing with energy, if he wants to win Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, he better not get rid of fracking. He's getting rid of fracking. Either that or he lied to Bernie Sanders. He didn't say I'm getting rid of fracking, but you can't have it both ways. If you like oil and gas production, cheap oil prices in America's sole provider, if you, you will not vote for Joe Biden because he is going to destroy and make cost prohibitive oil and gas. He's going to get rid of any pipeline because it's going to be environmental issues. Because he would lose the base, no one would vote for him. When it comes to cops, he told us two days ago in a question on Zoom from one of his supporters, they said, I will be looking to redirect funds away from police. They want to, in Seattle, take 50% away from the police budget. They already took a billion dollars out of the New York budget. They're doing the same thing in Atlanta today. Overwhelmingly. The stats show the American public does not want to defund the police. You're letting him get away with having it both ways. And it's just not right. It's not remotely fair. I'm not even asking for a follow-up question. I'm asking for a good initial question. The only way Donald Trump can change things, doesn't help to complain, is close the gap. Be, re- be, be spartan in your discipline. Be relentless in your messaging. Be indefatigable in your push to show people you have compassion for the pandemic and do what you do best. Go in front of people and let them know you got their back. Stephen Moore, who helped author the president's tax reform plan, Cut 11. I was quite disappointed because I had actually hoped that uh, Joe Biden would would, uh, run as a moderate Democrat on economics with some sensible kind of middle ground positions. And there is no middle ground position in any of this. It's even uh, Bernie Sanders said that this is the most progressive uh, left wing agenda since Franklin Roosevelt. And the only thing that he got wrong about that is it's to the left of what Franklin Roosevelt ran on uh, 50, 60 years ago. And that's Stephen Moore. Clearly, uh, he wrote a book about Trumponomics or helped uh, or co-authored one. He gets it. But he also calls shots. I mean, he's hired to be uh, he's hired to be an expert. 
So let's talk about the coronavirus. We know it's uh, going up in Texas. We know it's really concerning in Houston. We know the beds are running short in Florida as well as South Carolina. We're getting better at treating it. Hydroxychloroquine is a real solution used in combination with zinc and the dosages are necessary. But we haven't beat it. No question. We haven't beat it. But we got to work through it. So the president of the United States says, along with working through it, not shutting down the economy, we got to get back to schools. Dr. Scott Atlas was on with us yesterday and says, what we're trying to do is not something the rest of the world has not already done. Cut 16. The risk of transmission from children is very small, even to their own parents. In fact, Switzerland is contemplating eliminating testing of children because it's irrelevant if they're testing positive. Okay, he goes on. Cut 17. The science is weak on masks. And the reason the science is weak on masks is that the science does not talk about the infectious contagiousness. The science is particle studies. So that blew us away yesterday. We told wear a mask uh, less than the chance. Of course, we were told not to wear a mask. I'm not going to go through that again. And then we have other scientists go, listen, it's a joke. We're not wearing masks. There's no reason to wear it. President says, I will do it. Someone within six feet of me. The president's lost at least two friends from this virus, so he knows it's serious. But Mitch McConnell has been the cautious one because he knows he could lose the Senate if it looks like he's out of touch with the pandemic. The president right now gets below 40% grades in how he's handling it. He could change all that. It is early July. Cut 22. If you're looking for a theme of the next package, think kids in school, jobs, and health care. We can't have a normal country if we don't have kids in school. America cannot get back to any semblance of normalcy if kids are not back in school, K through 12, and college as well. Let's go out to Frank, who's on WABC in the story. Hey, Frank. Yes, good morning, Brian. Uh, I'm calling because uh, I differ with you in regards to how uh, Senator and former Vice President uh, Joe Biden sees uh, law enforcement. I, you know, I've dealt with many police officers throughout my life, and uh, I, I've met uh, so many of them that I, I do kind of differentiate one from another, especially, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, has uh, supports officers that are very friendly, amiable, they're conscientious, they're meticulous. Uh, but, you know, it seems that Joe is a supporter of uh, uh, law enforcement that's Democratic liberal. I've dealt with those cops all the time. They're very fast, cunning, and they are they cut to the chase. They don't really get involved too much with meticulous items or legal definitions of certain things. And I think there's a consensus in this country that law enforcement is, is different in all different states, cities, towns, rural areas. And I think maybe... Uh, Brian, you might believe that Joe Biden doesn't believe in law enforcement, but he probably does. He has hey, Frank, a Frank, a couple of things. The Joe Biden from the 1990s that had that uh, criminal justice reform that would put everybody in jail. So maybe that guy. But this guy will not if, if he believes what you just said, he lost the support of Black Lives Matters yesterday. He lost the support of Seattle Majority of people in Minneapolis and Atlanta. And even though he said, I'm not for defunding the police, he was asked one question by a man who sadly is suffering from ALS. And he withered under that question. Listen. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. One follow-up question, generically saying we can redirect funding. Anyone who wants to redirect funding, you want to expand training, I'm all for that. But you want better policing and less money? You don't want a new academy? And if he wants to show the courage that you say he has, Frank, and back up law enforcement, then he better stand up to his own party. Because there's nobody backing law enforcement on the Democratic Party right now. They won't even condemn the destruction of private property or federal property when you have the Speaker of the House say what they said. But uh, I appreciate your point of view. He can't have it both ways. If he does like cops, he has to separate himself from the party and have the courage to say it. one 408 We'll come back with more calls. And then we're going to welcome Corey Lewandowski to get a preview of Saturday's big speech. And if the president is indeed trailing, can he close the gap? I'm convinced he can. And I'm convinced he knows how. The question is, will he? It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So he has opportunities here. He has chances. Uh, the, the, the sheer leftward drift of this party and and the and the outright leftism of this agenda would can seem seem to present opportunities if the Trump campaign and Trump himself can capitalize on them. It remains to be seen if he can or will and would you know and can stop talking about himself long enough to to talk about something else and talk about their agenda and his message. And his message, too. By the way, Anthony Fauci just gave an interview. He said he hasn't met with Trump in about two months. And he said maybe the part of his falling out of the administration is he speaks the truth. Uh, he says, uh, quote, it's why I haven't been on television, because I say the truth at all times. Well, I don't know. Do you just ban football in the fall? Is that the truth? When you told us not to wear a mask, was that the truth? Uh, when you told us it, many of the things that you've said have not panned out. And you've done way too many interviews for a guy that's supposed to be figuring this all out. Marty, listening on the Fox News Radio app in Grand Rapids. Hey, Marty. Hey, Brian. Let me make three quick points here. Number one, uh, uh, I think the BLM that uh, de Blasio painted on the uh, on the street out there really stands for businesses leaving Manhattan. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, I think Trump should tweet out that, uh, hey, Joe Biden just endorsed my uh, policies here with the uh, – by American, you know, and then my big point, I don't see any way that Trump is losing to Biden. I've never seen the amount of African-Americans coming out to support Trump or to saying that we shouldn't be giving our allegiance to the Democrat Party. You got the guy from BET doing that. Um, You got the Georgia uh, local or the state politician saying he was supporting Trump. Never seen that before. And I don't think the average guy is in any way supporting all this chaos that's going on. I don't know. You know, the president certainly doesn't feel like he is losing to Biden. It is. He's got to go against. He's got to force Biden to define himself. That's how he wins. He's got to run against somebody. Barack Obama was doing terrible until he'd made 
Mitt Romney out to be a villain. Inaccurate. Uh, but it was true. That 49% comment, he couldn't overcome. In fact, here's what Donald Trump, this is how smart you are, and I appreciate the call. Uh, this is what Donald Trump just said. He plagiarized from me, but he can never pull it off. He likes plagiarizing. Uh, it's a plan that uh, it's very radical left, but he said the right things because he's copying what I've done. But the difference is he can't do it. And he knows he's not doing that. He can't be the same because he's raising taxes way too much. He's raising everybody's taxes. He's also putting tremendous amounts of regulations back on. And those two things are two primary reasons that I created the greatest economy we've ever had. And now we're creating it again. And they got to do it again. And they can't do it unless they get back to normalcy, which is tough because these cases are going up. So they got to find a way to attack come more comprehensively. You cannot see these lines. I'm seeing these lines again. Why are we having problems with N95 masks? Why are we having problems again with getting testing, quick testing? They're getting a brand new test. It's going to be done in minutes. So that's got to be everywhere. Alleviate these lines. Let's get the numbers. Let's find out about treatments. Keep people out of the hospital. We solved the ventilator problem. But it looks like we still have a PPE problem. And I, I find that unacceptable from the smallest hospital to the biggest state. And the president should pressure these men and women who are running these states and help any way they can. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Let's use this opportunity to take bold investments in American industry and innovation so the future is made in America, all in America. I do not accept the defeatist view that forecasts that automatic automation and globalization mean we can't keep well-paid jobs here in America and create more of them. So what was Joe Biden doing yesterday? Made in America for Americans. Corey Lewandowski with us now, the president's first campaign manager, still playing a vital role as a senior advisor. Corey, um, Steve Bannon wrote that you guys were caught flat-footed by not knowing that Joe Biden was going to do that. Is that is that an accurate assessment? Uh, I don't know what Steve wrote on that. You know, I... I wasn't privy to Joe Biden's schedule prior to him coming out of the basement. But what he sure as heck sounded like to me, Brian, was a lot like Donald Trump, who's been talking about buy American and hire American since he came down the escalator five years ago. Is that a good move for Biden? Does it does it worry you as his Trump guy? Well, look, you know, here's what Joe Biden did. He went back to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Some people claim it's his hometown, even though he hasn't lived there in literally 66 years. He tried to rekindle the fact and hide the fact that during the Obama-Biden administration, they allowed offshoring to take place. They cozied up to China. Towns like uh, Monison, Pennsylvania, was decimated because of what Biden and Obama did. And he doesn't want to remind the American people that when Barack Obama was out on the campaign trail— he was asked about the jobs for the steel workers and coal miners in Pennsylvania and in Appalachia. And Barack Obama said, hey, those jobs are never coming back. So now Joe has changed his tune because he's running for president, but he's got a 44-year record of offshoring jobs overseas. Now all of a sudden he wants to change that record and rewrite history. The American people aren't going to buy it. Well, I mean, he's been all over. Can you be a Bernie bro and be pro-America? 
the answer is no. Hey, although, hey, Brian, to be fair, Bernie did feel like an American in 2016 when he went to Mount Rushmore, he said. So I appreciate that from Bernie, that one day that he was feeling like an American. Look, we, we know that Joe Biden is an extreme leftist now. He's controlled by the AOCs, Rashid Tlaib, squads of the world. He is endorsing all of Bernie's crazy rhetoric. What this story was yesterday is his attempt to show people that he's not an extremist. It doesn't work. And if it would have worked, what he should have said was, I support President Trump in his desire to bring American jobs back. Didn't do that. So the president's going to be in New Hampshire tomorrow. Can you describe the scene? I hear it's a hangar, but yet it's open air. That's right. So, look, anybody who wants to come, the event is tomorrow night. The president will speak at 8 o'clock in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It is a facility that allows for social distancing. Masks will be provided for anybody who wants to come in upon their arrival. They'll also be given hand sanitizer and a poncho because we are anticipating uh, the, the, the portions of a tropical storm hitting New Hampshire tomorrow. But it's a Open air event. There is an airport hang, uh, airplane hangar there that some people will be in. But by and large, people will be out on the tarmac. If they want to be six feet apart or 16 feet apart, they'll have that opportunity to do that. Does it hurt you that Governor Sununu is not going? No, no. Governor Sununu will be joining me to greet the president uh, as Air Force One arrives. I've spoken to the governor's team. He has a previous commitment, but he will be at the event. He will be there to greet the president at the bottom of the stairs. Okay, so he's not staying for the big thing. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, the governor had a previous commitment. I spoke to him directly. He was very appreciative of the president coming, very supportive. But he was up front with me very early on. He has a family engagement, and that's perfectly fine. But he will be there to greet the president when he comes off the stairs. How much does it hurt the campaign that the president is not getting permission to go to Democratic-run states like Colorado and Michigan and, and have his rallies? You know, Brian, I think it's a disservice to the people of those respective states. You know, you have the leader of the free world, and whether you agree or disagree with his politics, people should have the right to go and listen to him if he chooses to come there. And in a state like Michigan that Donald Trump won by 10,704 votes in 2016, clearly that last rally of the campaign that he did there was a seminal rally. Obviously, more people in the rally than actually uh, the margin of victory in that state. So I think this is a disservice by those Democrat governors saying that the leader of the free world isn't given the right to come and address the people of their respective states directly. So, uh, Corey, do you feel as though your voice is being heard on the campaign? You know, Brian, I, I do, and I'll tell you why. I had an amazing opportunity, and really it was a privilege, to fly out to South Dakota last week to do the July 3rd event. I know you were invited. I don't know why you took a pass, but it was one of the most amazing trips ever to see the fireworks go off at that great historic mountain. Um, and I spent a lot of time talking with the president on the flight out and the flight home. And so, you know, my relationship with the president has always been one of full candor and uh, very open and honest conversations. And I, I've never felt that I don't have access to relay a message that I think is important to him ever. If the president's listening to you, what types of things would he be saying? Uh, look, the president is saying exactly what he said about Mount Rushmore. And I know that for some reason the media thought that was a device. That was a great speech. speech. It was great. It was a great speech. And you know what he talked about? He talked about our history and our heritage. And he talked about remembering people like 
uh, Frederick Douglass, and he talked about Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant. He talked about all the things that your shows talk about, Brian, remembering those people who came before us and the sacrifices they made. Nobody is perfect, but we are standing on the shoulders of giants in this country who came before us to give us these privileges. And the president talked about that, and I think it's very important that we have law and order in our society. And as I listened to the lines that he delivered, which was, we will kneel before our creator, we will protect our Second Amendment, and we will have law and order, I, I watched the crowd's reaction. And those people, not just from South Dakota, but from around the country who were there, cheered in the loudest applause I have ever heard. So in this age of pandemic, unless you know someone from 1918, we're experiencing for the first time together. The president now, according to the recent poll, has 36 percent approval rating. So if that, in fact, is the case, even if it's a remotely, if it's under 50 percent, how does he change that? Being that even the most sophisticated advice says things like wear a mask, stand six feet away and wash your hands. And, and the president is going to do that. Look, the president was very clear. He is visiting um, a hospital tomorrow um, uh, up in Maryland, right? He's going to wear a mask for that. He said that. He encourages people to wear masks. And I believe it's about personal responsibility. This president isn't here to dictate, unlike the Democrats who are going to dictate your lives, you have to have personal responsibility. And if you have an immune deficiency or you're just simply uncomfortable, then do what the airlines do and everybody has to wear a mask to get on a plane. If that's what the requirement is, then that's what the requirement is. And people have to do that for their own personal health reasons. Right. I think it's a fair thing to do. Do you think that when the, the president has decided, you know, let the vice president handle that, just like Joe Biden had a lot of big jobs. I get it. But do you think that somehow seniors are misinterpreting to that, being that they're paying the price with most of the deaths coming in seniors? Do you think the president's paying the price for seemingly seeming detached from what the seniors are going through by not being out there more? Look, I, I think the president has been given an unfair criticism during this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, I believe that we're going to look back and see that him banning flights from China from non-U.S. citizens or green card holders was the right thing to do, even though he was called the xenophobe uh, for doing that. I believe that when the president, when we look back on it and they see the actions that this task force has taken by getting the personal protective equipment, by reminding the American people that we weren't manufacturing this anymore, and we were completely reliant on China for personal protective equipment. We can never be in that position again. So the president is going to have to look back on it. And right now, Brian, I know we're doing massive amounts of testing. I think 40 million people have been tested. So, of course, the number of cases, of positive cases, is going up. It's not – look, that is an important factor. But the factor that we should be more concerned about as a society is the death rate. And our death rate continues to go down because of our health care system right. and because of the processes that we've put in place. That should be the – it's not how many people get sick from the flu every year. It's how many people die from that. And that's really a story that the media doesn't want to tell. But I will say in Texas, I'm seeing really long lines again. And I think in, uh, they're hearing about reusing masks again. So that's something that really should not be a problem in July. I, I get it in March, but should not be a problem in July. Do you agree? 
I, I agree, Brian, and we should now be in a position where because of the work of uh, this present administration, we're manufacturing personal protective equipment in the U.S. Everybody who wants access to that equipment should have access to the equipment. I do believe people want to be tested. They want to be tested for their own reasons. Yep. They want to be tested to, to make sure that they're not spreading the virus. They want to be tested to make sure that they should be self-containing. I think people feel better once they know if they have it or not. And so we should give everybody who wants that test the opportunity to be tested. Lastly, I want, I'm just so outraged by this clip. I wanted to share it with you just to get your blood boiling. Cut 33. I don't care that much about statutes. Shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. It, it's, it's a, it is a, I do think that from a safety standpoint, uh, it would be a good idea to... Uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission, uh, but it just could be a, a community view. And sometimes it's something that's been there, that view has been there for a while. It's okay to tear down statues. So what? You know who this, You know what they did in San Francisco? Goodbye, Ulysses S. Grant, Francis Scott Key, and a saint all pulled down. In, in, and a Lincoln statue. She has no interest. Also, Columbus, she's Italian. Hey, hey, Brian, look, there, there are two sides of this story, okay? When the marauders are running through the streets and they're ripping down statues of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, there's no outcry. Uh, when they paint Black Lives Matter on the street, it's okay. And what we have seen instead was um, the opposite happens. And I think someone desecrated a statue that was an African-American statue, and those people were charged with hate crimes in California. Yep. You can't have it both ways. Everybody should be treated the same. Justice is supposed to be blind. Neither side should have an advantage. If you desecrate anything, you should pay the same penalty regardless of who that is. And so, look, this notion, this notion that Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant and Francis Scott Key's statue should be destroyed is held by a very, very small fraction of the American people. And this is something that I know people don't want to talk about. Middle-class American women want safety and security. They don't want people ripping down statues and throwing bricks through their windows so that they can say that it's in the world of a free and fair protest. That's not the case. Uh, Corey, good luck Saturday. Hope the weather cooperates. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Brian. Go get him. Corey Lewandowski uh, is going to make sure people show up in New Hampshire. Uh, when we come back, the lines are jammed. We also have to find out if you need to know more. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're back. 1-866-408-7669. Let's go out to Billy. Listen to WABC in Westchester. Hey, Billy. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Good. Brian, listen, I like, you know, New York City. I like going to Yankee games. I go to 25 games a year. I know you like sports. All right. Next year, hopefully, we get this coronavirus behind us. People get vaccines. They're going to have 4 million people there. Okay. New York City police is the best in the world. I think we could agree pretty much. They're really tremendous police force. Now, is this mayor with 4 million Yankee fans coming down here? Is he going to put handcuffs on him, or is he going to protect the people that are going to the games? Because I tell you what, Hal Steinbrenner can't be happy what's going on down in New York City. People are going to be leery to travel there, to go to games there. To, I mean, I, you know, I got to think about going. Everybody I talk to is moving out. 
of Manhattan. Everybody. I, I can't tell you. And it doesn't even look the same. They're not even fixing up these stores. These restaurants aren't coming back. This clown in, in Albany is saying, well, I'm not going to have indoor dining. Why? It's working right. in it other places. Like, it, 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 it looks like Europe after the war, unfortunately. Yeah, they never fixed it after the rights. I wouldn't. Yeah, you didn't guard I against mean, it. And then this, you know what this mayor said? Well, I could, you can't have parades. You can't have get-togethers. But if people want to protest, we should understand this is a time in America for change. Are you crazy? I mean, what happens if they decide to riot during these Yankee games and all these people down here, right? You don't know. You don't know. Is he going to protect the people or is he just going to do what he has been doing, watching? Well, you know what? It's time for a social worker. We're going to put social workers at Yankee games in order to tell people they're acting irrationally and stop beating, beating people over the head uh, with their bats that they got on bat day. Uh, thanks so much. It's crazy what's happening. It, it's, not even a, it's not even an exciting, intriguing argument. But if I'm living in Seattle, I'm leaving. You want to defund 50%? Your liberal mayor doesn't even want to sign on to it, but you might have the votes in your legislature. Michael in Georgia. Hey, Michael. Hey. Hey, Brian. I'm so honored to speak to the man who got Geraldo to show his legs on national TV. It's truly it, an honor. Horizon May Builder. Oh, my gosh. It made me laugh so much. Uh, I wanted to follow on to that guy earlier who talked about the coin shortage. I drive a truck, and uh, I, all the truck stops I go to have signs up now. you got to use it jack change or credit cards. So I don't know. There seems to be a cash shortage. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you're, the, you're the second person I know uh, to say that. I didn't know there was one. Hey, let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. New report claims that kids who grow up with dogs are better behaved. That according to a findings by a study that I'm reading. They specifically looked at 30 to 40. They say the kids between 30 and 40 percent are less likely to have problems with conduct. These children also have 23 percent less total difficulties. I think it makes sense. You give people more responsibility at a young age. Even if the parents do most of it, if you do some of that, you can show compassion. You have doctor's appointments. Caring about somebody else makes total sense. Next. The Wine Fairy Group planning to expand gift-giving into other areas. It's about bringing happiness. The sisterhoods of the traveling wine leave bottles on the doorsteps of strangers and friends as a way to spread the feeling of joy during the pandemic. Has any fairy left something for you, Eric? Or or Pete? They have not visited me yet. I look forward to it, though. Giselle Maxwell reportedly forced to don paper attire because her boyfriend, you know who he is, Jeffrey Epstein, killed himself with his gown. You think this is going to work? You think something's going to happen to Maxwell? Well, the attorney general says that nothing will happen to her and they're going to take extra steps to make sure nothing happens. So they're going to keep the guards awake and the cameras working and not put her in a cell with a burly, angry, uh, (laughs) corrupt cop? You would hope so. Next. This makes no sense. Michael Cohen has has violated his probation and therefore has gone back to prison. He did not like the conditions he was allowed to leave prison with. Do you believe this? He had such an easy out to stay out of trouble. What are you doing? They found him in a French restaurant indoors, by the way. I'm not allowed to go to a French restaurant indoors. And I never paid off Stormy Daniels that you know of yet. So... This is unbelievable to me that he would insist he leaves his family and goes back to prison. I thought he did some stupid things in the past. One, befriending Tom Arnold, not the brightest thing. But this is worse. 
He had the pandemic excuse. That's all he should have needed. And if you're looking for Jonathan Carl, keep your keep your uh, uh, keep your space. Jonathan Carl, the NBC reporter, he has tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. This is serious for the whole press corps. That guy's there every day. So they do do a lot of social distancing there. They are pretty good about wearing masks. I know. If you ever see a wide shot, they are spread out. Go to BrianKillMe.com, order my own history books. This way you could fight your own fight against the war on history and win. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.